podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Anfield Wrap on Radio City Talk. Neil Atkinson, Andy Heaton, Simon Hughes and Rob Gutman with you until half past seven. uh, We're going to be having a big chat about West Ham and how Liverpool should approach it. We're also going to be having a a conversation with Heather Carroll about what Liverpool ladies have been up to, which is getting two very good results. We're also going to be speaking to Sean Rogers. I've got something wrong. No, 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 no! You're all waving at me. That's you're all no, waving at me. We mouth the words half seven for different reasons. Ah, for each half other. seven for different reasons. Yes, this is a slight pre-record. This show, so I've confused the guests there. <laughs> uh, Andy Heaton understands because he understands the medium. Everybody else is somewhat confused, uh, but yeah, we'll all make the Sorry, best of it. Uh, so, it's all right. Don't you worry at all. And then we're going to. I just wasn't s- listening, mate. To be honest, Sean Rogers on West Ham United. I'm going to do the best I can to get right the way through this opening as you're driving home today, Liverpool. They're not literally driving outside. Just, just help you yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's figurative. Uh, we will be going right the way through and having a big chat about the game against West Ham United which is a massive game for Liverpool's season uh, before then I want to give a quick shout out for Simon's book which is out on paperback Simon how's it going? It's going fantastically of course brilliant now uh, yeah it's a, it's a, it's a really difficult it's, it's a difficult sell at the moment because uh, Ian Herbert's got his Bob Paisley book out and you know there's a lot of noise about that so uh, you know as a paperback it's always a bit more of a challenge trying to give Cheeky that a bit of publicity. Just, yeah. Firstly, you're cheaper than Herbert. Yeah, much cheaper in every possible sense. Secondly, you're lighter than Herbert. Yes, correct. Uh, yeah. At least in one sense. Yes. Yeah. Uh, thirdly... Did, did, you, did you know Ian Herbert's a granddad? Is Ian Herbert a granddad? He My is, word, yeah. he's looking well for a man of his age. Yeah. Thirdly, Sai, thirdly, his book focuses on Bob Paisley. You're telling ten different stories exactly, with this clown yeah. think he is. Yeah, exactly. It's all been told before. <laughs> no, seriously though, Ian's book's fantastic. Book by both. Really? Have you have you read Ian's book? Yeah, I have, yeah. So what's I your think, book about? I think my book, uh, my book is about Liverpool in the 2000s era, um, and it's... 11 different interviews. 11, I said 10, my yeah, word. I yeah. sold it. It's 11 different interviews, uh, <laughs> trying to explain... See what you did there with the 11. Yeah, always better. Yeah. Um, 11 different interviews. Same as the number of players who play cricket. Correct. Yeah. And it's uh, basically their stories at Liverpool, but not just like kind of football stories. It's kind of... There's a few different characters that you may not have heard of from a while, for a while. Before we go to Andy, what's the name of the book? It helps for the... The for book the is actually called uh, Ring of Fire. I nearly forgot then. Ring of Fire. Ring of Fire. Yeah, Liverpool in the 2000s, the players' stories. Although there are other people other than players like Rick Parry and, you know, okay. people like him. Uh, can I just give me an unsolicited plug? It's uh, whatever you want. Do a quick one. Right, uh, the Chops at Sticky Walnut, a finally three over on D Whittle. Are, uh, I've got a Kickstarter f- to open a permanent uh, wreckfish in Liverpool. Um, and they're doing really well, so go there because the food, uh, it sounds really great. Don't I'm backing it. Fantastic. Don't we, this. don't we also need to say well done to uh, Sean Rogers on his on his new job? Oh yeah. Well, he's coming up. I was going to do it after ah, when he came right, up, but okay, I haven't written anything yeah. down before this show, so we yeah. are somewhat flying by the seat of our pants. Here, so you went to know. Yeah. Sean Rogers got a job as assistant manager at Camel Laird. Um, uh, anyway, details with what he's about. didn't cross my mind that it might be football. I thought maybe he's been given a cabinet position. Or I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think necess- well, we necessarily. Well, we, we may well bring it up. Uh, we may well bring it up whilst we're at this stage. Just of the quickly, show. It's like re- replacing the opening question. Add, add sticky walnut on the Twitter for details. All right, Alan Partridge. I, I cut across <laughs> him a bit like Jamie Redknapp. I know, uh, didn't I? Just he took it best than Carragher. Yeah. <laughs> he took it best than Carragher, uh, which will, will possibly remain, could conceivably remain my moment of the season, no matter what happens. Uh, Manny's late goal, that from Carragher. David McDade's going for Cliftonville. Uh, they're my three. How long are we not going to talk system. to Simon about it? Oh God, for abs- forever, uh, absolutely forever. Come on, we'll go back. So the book, Ring of Fire. Oh yeah, <laughs> Ring of Fire. What, what else do you want to know? Um, well, it's good. How yeah, many pages? Yeah, how many pages? About three hundred and fifty pages. So I'll tell you some of the more interesting interviews. What's the type font size? <laughs> I don't know about that. The big ring. Uh, yeah. Uh, so Fernando Torres isn't there. That's the, that's the big sell, really, Torres, yeah. because uh, he tells the story of his Liverpool departure and what he really, really felt at the time. Um, and you know it's probably not the the story that everybody kind of knows. Um, so yeah, I think that's a pretty good one to, to read, really. Uh, but of course, that's being serialised on the Anfield Rap website already, so you can get it for free. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want, necessarily want talk the freebie up. Yeah, uh, theanfieldrap.com for that, yeah. uh, or just Google Torres and the Anfield Rap, and that'll probably be the number one answer. Mm. Uh, but then buy the book; uh, no, it's genuinely excellent, uh, as is all of Sai's work, and it's really nice for him to come in today and chat away to us. Uh, we will actually also be speaking to Ian Herbert. Uh, about his masterpiece. You don't want to do that. Uh, in the next, uh, I did press box with Simon and Ian, and the uh, the tension was palpable. Uh, this week on LFC TV, they pretend they like each other, but really, in that, <laughs> you look into their eyes and they despise one another. Yeah. Um, all of that to come. But first and foremost, we're going to talk about the, this West Ham game because whilst we're going to talk about it at the end, there's something in this side. The manager sort of insinuated it today, and uh, it's something that I'm going to come on to discuss with Sean Rogers. 
we are as a supporter base sort of um, very fidgety at the minute by the mm. fact that we're in a proper running by the fact that Arsenal had the temerity to beat Southampton we took that really rather badly mm. uh, but this is what the business end of seasons is like and I think if Liverpool want to be at the business end of seasons then they've got to They've got to be good at being in the business end of seasons, and I don't even just mean the players; I mean supporters too. This is looking over your shoulder, worrying about other people's results. Mm. This is this is a running. I, d- I don't think it's necessarily the, the period of time why people are getting fidgety. I, th- I just think it's recent history of Liverpool not getting across the line when you expect them to. Recent history of Liverpool losing cup finals, which you've got on that habit of, and recent, even more recent history of, of not winning home games. That you ex- you, well, expect them to, you know, we uh, choke for fun. Which we, uh, yeah, and I, I think. Um, has to be a bit of context there. I mean, at the moment, I think Liverpool on Sunday, if they turn, I mean, I, I'm pretty confident about Sunday actually. I think Liverpool away, I'd, I'd back them. If, if the game was at home, it'd be even more twitchy, which I think it's, you know, the, the manager and the players have got to take. It is a cliche, and I do speak in cliche sometimes, but they do need to take some responsibility as well for what happens. We, we discussed this on the press box show the other day that, you know, Liverpool didn't have. I think a shot oh sorry he didn't make an incursion into the opposition box in the first 30 minutes against Southampton so a fast start might help and, and just calm people down a little bit what would calm you down Rob Gutman? <laughs> the early goal <laughs> a lot of things um, I, I I think the players psychologically now will be Looking, it sounds it's in a perverse in a perverse way. They're looking forward to the relief of an away game. I, th- I think uh, the, the home games become a monkey on the back in a short space of time. Having been, you know, playing joyous football in the first half of the season at home and thrashing all comers, but it's been an increasing problem since Christmas. It feels like there's no. I mean, I'm dreading Middlesbrough at home. Already relegated Middlesbrough at home uh, next next week. But uh, as Simon says, you you have to feel slightly optimistic because, and I think it'll pervade to the players that they'll, they'll think at least we can play with a sense of freedom here. And it isn't about the crowd and anxieties and things like that. It's just about the way the the, the shape of games. And Liverpool are under resourced at the moment. Players are injured and tired, uh, and a bit of space would a little little things like that comes in handy. What would calm you down, or are you relatively calm? I'm, I'm actually all right. I haven't seen the West Ham injury list. Oh um, really? What's what's happened? Well, I mean, they've basically, got, they've got thirteen out. They've had a really bad season. Oh injuries. yeah, they've had a season for us. For us, the for injuries West Ham. Specifics, though. No, it's kind of like the Ian Rush, the Ian Rush Everton thing. <laughs> I get it in my head that anyone who's got a grudge against Liverpool invariably scores against us. Like John Walters will always invariably bag against us, even though he hasn't scored for four hundred games beforehand, etc., etc. So I look at their lineup, and Andy Carroll's out injured. He's not going to make it, um, and he's played on occasion well against us since coming back. And then you look at what would potentially another player who's played well against us in the past, Mikel Antonio's out, uh, Mark Noble's also out. Players who you know like like the headlines, like the uh, the, the giant killer, not Pyatt's out because they sold him. Well, Pyatt's not yet. Well, you know, I don't think he'll be back for the for the, for the weekend, will he? Um, no, relatively relaxed. But then, oh, Alvar- uh, Alvaro Abalo is still out as well. Good old Albi. So. On paper, you know, we should be okay. Carroll might just make it. I will, oh. If they can get Carroll on the pitch. He's been the echo running that he's not going to make it. The echo running that he's not. Uh, Billich's, Billich's saying... So if, you, if he makes it, I'm going to hunt down James well, Pearce and throw him in the And he's the kind of player that such, has such a big impact on our game that we won't give up on him. It doesn't sound like he's going to come into the game in great nick if he does play. He's, he's never been one to kind of force himself through onto the pitch, though, has he? You know, when he's been struggling. No. Yeah, he's not a trooper, Cut, is he? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Keote won't play either. Sacco's no, out as well. It's worth pointing out, though, and it, it, is, it is worth pointing out that you, you look at... West Ham the fan themselves before we talk about it from our perspective uh, which we will do after 7 o'clock but West Ham have found themselves a little smidge in the form they're unbeaten in 5 uh, 1-0 at home against Swansea before that was 5 defeats by the way a 2 all draw against Sunderland but then it's clean sheets against Everton, Stoke and and Spurs See I'm going to butt in there that gives me a little bit of comfort because I think sometimes we beat ourselves and we beat ourselves when we sh- when it's basically we should be winning uh, I mean, you look at like the, we've, we've, despite our patchy form, we've exercised a couple of ghosts this year. The Pulis thing, you know, and there was another. There's been a couple of times where we, there's been precedents there, and we've done it. We've either come back from a losing position, we've beat, we've run out of place, we typically struggle at, etc., yeah. etc. Et I'd be more weary of a West Ham off the back of five defeats than off the back of five 
unbeaten, to be that, quite honest. That's the West Ham we got at Anfield and we drew 2-2. Two, two. They just humiliated in their own ground by Arsenal. Well, uh, they came to Anfield the next week, they fought, they fought really hard. We, we and then beat they went on a run then with, themselves. They be, they've been a team of going on runs this yeah. season. And they bad, bad, run, bad runs of defeats, bad, uh, good runs of, you know... Well, I suppose victories. what I'm trying to say is, Neil, we, we've been our own worst enemy so many times this year. But one of the key things on this is, when I'm talking about the start with the mentality conversation, Rob, is mm. four clean sheets in the last five for West Ham. And it's worth pointing out that you know, it might take Liverpool an hour. It might take Liverpool 65, 70. I agree with saying that I'd like to see a fast start, but it might be a game that is won last 15, last 20, this one. It might be a game where Liverpool wanting and needing it that bit more might, might end up uh, impacting upon the game, but that might actually have to happen late. Yeah, we've, we've kind of quietly carved out a sort of parallel universe season towards the latter end, whereby we're not this... Calam- uh, defensive calamity Liverpool or this free-flowing Liverpool away from home against these sort of middle-ranking sort of bogey teams. Um, we're patient, we wait, we get our goal, we hold on, we see our games. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm listing Stoke, uh, West Brom and Watford here. Those are the games, and the, the ghosts I think Andy's referring to us exercising. And West Ham is something of a ghost. because I've, I've stood behind goals, behind goal, the goal at their, at their ground. Upton Park, last, it used to be. That placed the bowl in Upton Park, whatever. At least it's, as it, even the new ground it has more than one name now, that's, doesn't that's, it? That's their brand. That's, that's what they do. They do well. They name, they name, so good they name it twice. And um, that's that's what's been happening. And uh, we have I don't know when we last had a good result there. I think Torres might have scored. So when we where? last had a good result. Good result where? At, at the Hammers oh, place. Son, yeah. So... I agree with you, Neil. I think it's. I think it's. I think it's one to be at this stage of the season. Everyone was crying after we drew nil nil with Southampton, but as it got towards the end, I thought, as I had th- had thought against Crystal Palace, let's just take the point here. The point isn't the end of the world. Uh, teams around us are, f- are floundering, winning, floundering, winning cycle. Uh, Liverpool must remember not to lose this. I think that's vital <laughs> at this particular juncture. Don't lose. Or surely win. Yeah, I'm, I'm just thinking about you know. <laughs> On the negative side, you know, psychologically, if Liverpool don't do this this season, I mean, what what does it really say, you know, about the the players that they've got there? Not necessarily, well, you know, to a lesser extent, the manager as well. Um, You know, they've been in pole position for such a long period of time. They've been in the top four since, I think, September. And to fall fall the last two weeks with the running that they've had, even with the injuries... You know, it's, if, they, if they were coming with a run and they, yeah. they failed they fail by two points, we'd go into next season full of optimism. If they mm. if they finish two points behind now, we go into next season full of despair. It becomes mm. a long summer. I completely agree with this, and this is you know I think it, if they just get over the line, then we're all able to go right. That's that bit done, and now you get on with the next thing. Mm. I think it'll. We're now at the point where you're really, it, it, as I say, if Liverpool had won the last six to put themselves into this position, we'd all be buzzing, and if it doesn't mm. happen, we're able to sort of shrug our shoulders. Yeah, it's 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 a difficult one to kind of judge. Really, I mean, I, you can only really judge it on the you know the the previous experience of get when they got into the Champions League how the club reacted that summer when you know they, they obviously sold Suarez and and just went mad in the transfer market and then you know signed five or six players and you know very few of them turned out to be particularly good players for Liverpool and I, I just wonder how it reacts you know if, if they do you know because I still think it's been a bit of a strange season this season because I, I, I saw Klopp said uh, earlier on, that you said that you know he doesn't actually think Chelsea are fourteen points better <coughs> off than Liverpool, and I can understand what he's saying there because I think Liverpool lost a lot of momentum at a key stage of the season, which the club can take responsibility for to some extent because I think you know they did they did really mess up or underestimate again that January period. I just can't believe that they thought that they could go into that period just a key period where there's so many games where there were a lot of games where they could have picked up quite easy points where they dropped them and that lost so much momentum and confidence in the stadium at Anfield you know because before then you know I think that that's the period that's contributed towards the atmosphere at Anfield now people are kind of yeah. doubting again you know he's, he's you know the whole turning well, doubters into believers he's turning believers into doubters again you know with what's happened there and I think to a large extent the club Whoever that might be, have mismanaged the season. You know, to well, if, if, you know, to a large. Yeah. We'll do more of this after seven o'clock. I'm interested in it. We'll be, this. We'll come back and do this in a little while. Uh, I will uh, yet again during that period of time reiterate my argument that there's no point being in the League Cup semi-final if you're not going to win it. Uh, thank you very much to Andy Heaton, uh, Simon Hughes, and Rob Goodman. They'll be back very soon indeed. But after this break, I'm talking to Heather Carroll about Liverpool ladies and their excellent spring series so far.
Welcome back, Radio City Talk, Neil Atkinson and Heather Carroll, as promised before the break uh, for you coming up right now to talk about Liverpool ladies in the Spring Series. A Spring Series, Heather, where Liverpool find themselves unbeaten after four games, 1-3, drawn one, and scored 14 goals in the process. It's been entertaining for you so far. It's been, a, I've been having a great time, yeah, <laughs> I've been having a lot of fun, I've seen a lot of goals. Um, you know, we went to Arsenal last week and uh, there was eight goals. Uh, in the game we'll talk through the 4-4 first so we'll do the last two games and we'll have a, we'll have a good chat about them Liverpool drew at Arsenal and only won uh, at Birmingham it's uh, the Arsenal game was it just seemed like from the outside I was actually seeing the scores come in on my Twitter feed as I was sort of going and it was just goal after goal after goal it seemed like a chaotic affair it was I was trying to do minute by minute updates and it was just getting a bit crazy um, out there but no we were 3-1 up at half time and we were really flying um, you know, the first goal comes is Alex Greenwood who's been brilliant with set pieces already this season but yeah. she saved this one for herself you know it just flew straight in at the top corner from her own corner um, and then you know Arsenal you know they rallied a little bit they pulled themselves back into the game got a goal back but then Tash Harden um, the ball goes actually in off her back to put us back ahead uh, which I don't think she knew a lot about but she said to me afterwards they all count they do all count um, so you know we'll give her that and then it was um, Caroline Weir who's been in good form uh, she was the one who made it 3-1 yeah she she heads it was a great header she, I think she was about 10 yards from goal and she just powers it right past the goalkeeper um, from a Neve Charles cross um, and Neve has been excellent for us as well last couple of games well these attacking players they're all playing really really well <laughs> it then becomes a bit Bit chaotic at the other end. Uh, Arsenal got themselves back into it and actually went four three ahead. It's worth you know it's worth pointing out that this is this side still meant to be. I think it's fair to say, isn't it? A young, exciting side. Mm-hmm. This is Scott Rogers having a look at a lot of these very young uh, women who are playing for Liverpool. We're not we're not talking about a, t- a team of absolute seasoned pros here. So in that context, you're going to get something like this every now and again, where they lack a bit of now, a bit of game intelligence to just get through the other side when the three and three one up at half time. Yeah, it was it was almost like the the game at Chelsea last year when we got beat six three. You know, to concede four goals in a game, you know, you could be disappointed with that, but. Um, I thought they did, overall they did well and I think he's still trying to find the right balance in the squad of mixing youth with experience obviously he's brought Casey Stoney in this season and b- before she had to go off I think she was forced off um, with a bit of a knock on about 60 minutes and that was yeah. when Arsenal went on and got the three goals you know it was it was a combination of her having to go off and then you've got to drop Sophie Ingle back into defence from defensive midfield and then we had to bring Casey Zellum off the bench to play a bit further back than she's used to so it was kind of it was a mixture of Is, that Do you think the squad's a little top heavy you're saying that there because we're talking about mm-hmm. you know you, you, it feels I when I see the line up like there's at times there's basically four I'd say four very attacking players lining up for Liverpool and then you're mentioning there that the bench is a little attack heavy as well I mean we, we, were, we were discussing previously that he's come into this this season with a slightly sort of smaller squad than he mm. would for a normal proper full season do you think he's sort of he's, he's, he's got these attacking talents and they're what he's focusing on first and foremost it's a little bit you know when you look at the two signs that we brought in just before the uh, the transfer window closed and you know we brought in Jess Clark. Um, from Notts County, you know, who is a winger or a striker. But then, you've, you know, we, we've also got to Tara Muddy due to come back in September. You know, she, he's, she's been allowed to go back to the USA to complete um, a college course. And then Martha Harris picks up a knock in the preseason yeah. trainer. So that's two defenders. You know, that's Martha Harris can play left back or right back. She can also play in the centre of defence as well, if need be. Um, like Sophie Engel can drop back. So once you've got her coming back, and I think she should be back before the end of the spring series. So that'll be, you know, great to see her come back. Um, then 4 3, it's mm-hmm. Bonner. Yeah. Nets, uh, which we're going to come on to talk about uh, Birmingham. So she's on three and four yeah. at this stage, which is which she's is, on fire. She's <laughs> absolutely on fire. It's, it's ridiculous. But again, it's it, it's a size and a presence, mm-hmm. isn't it? That results in the goal. It's 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 hard to put over really if you, if you haven't seen Bonner play the, the 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 calm that she sort of emits at the back and is able to sort of emit at the back even in the, even in amongst a four goal uh, conceding four goals. But also uh, the presence that she's got. She's 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 very big, very strong. Mm-hmm. She's able to to win a battles despite the fact that when she's on the she's got tons of elegance yeah what was interesting about the Arsenal game is once we went 4-3 down you know they didn't let the heads drop you know even though we'd been 3-1 up and then conceded three goals in quick succession no they didn't they didn't let the heads drop and Gemma Bonner was really for it was forcing the issue really that, that actually got us the, the, the final goal she was like bringing the ball out of defence you know she was taking it back past the halfway line um, and then she she gets a great uh, she gets a head on the uh, the corner but that's where we've been scoring a lot of goals from is from set pieces you know Alex Greenwood Obviously, I mentioned before she she scored you know, the first goal in that game, and then she sets it up for Bonner to score the equaliser. Uh, about nine minutes to play. It's worth pointing out Arsenal finished third last season mm-hmm. um, in the uh, in, in in the season proper. There was a little bit of a gap between them and Liverpool. Obviously, there isn't a home game to sort of measure yourselves against uh, this time out as well. But it it shows the progress being made. I think that that you know they were able to go and get not just this result.
result but to score four goals at Arsenal's ground. Yeah, and Arsenal have got a very, very strong squad. You know, they were able to bring Farrell Williams off the bench, Heather Riley off the bench, and even Jody Taylor, the England striker, off the bench. And you know, when you look at that, that's insane. And they've also got Kim Little, who wasn't even on the bench. She was, I think, she's injured or something for the spring series. But you know, she's been a World Player of the Year for BBC. And you know, when they've even got a strong bench without her, you know, on the bench, so they've got incredible uh, squad depth. I don't know how he's going to keep them all happy, but. Uh, when they were when they were warming up before the game, there was about a cast of thousands of the of them on there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, going into the Birmingham game, and it's worth pointing out. I think we were having a conversation before this. You were talking about the, the, the size of crowds Liverpool have played against this season. The Birmingham mm-hmm. game, Liverpool ladies went to Birmingham and they uh, they played at St Andrews. So mm-hmm. it was at the, the game proper, and over a thousand turned out. And you were saying to me before, and anyway, when they've been on the road this season, Liverpool have been watched by an average of one thousand eight hundred. Was it? Yeah, well, just under one thousand eight hundred. Uh, we played obviously Manchester City in the cup at the Etihad. So I got over three thousand five. 500 in and then both Yeovil and Birmingham have played their home games at their men's ground so Yeovil pulled in a very impressive 1,800 fans and then at Birmingham on Sunday we had 1,100 in the crowd watching and it's great to see you know, there's a lot of families in there but you also I think when you play at the men's ground you get a lot of men's supporters who'll go along to watch it as well and I think they'll be surprised by the quality of football that's on show well, uh, against Birmingham, uh, Liverpool ladies scored just after the break. The first half, uh, the first half, Liverpool were probably the better side. I've read your report. I didn't get to see the game. I've read your mm-hmm. report. Liverpool just the better sides, edging it. Um, they get the goal just after the break, and then they come under a, a lot of pressure. Yeah, I definitely. I think you're right. You know, I definitely think we did edge it in the first half. We had the better of the opportunities. Um, both sides hit the post in the first half. Fingeli Brazil hit the post uh, for Birmingham, and then Caroline Weir hit the post for us. But it was straight after the break, and Birmingham being forced into two substitutions due to injury, and um, they had to bring. They'd made five changes. They were in the FA Cup final on uh, Saturday, so they'd made five changes to the lineup, but then had to bring Jess Carter and Ellen White off the bench. But even with those two substitutions, it was Jess Clark scored their first goal, um, heading home uh, Alex Greenwood cross. Uh, you mentioned the, um, those two players, but the one who I think you've, you know, again from, from reading all of your reports through the season so far, Tash Harding's the one who's really standing out, isn't she? Is, as a constant thorn in the side for opposition sides, able to go past people almost at will at times. Yeah, it's it's interesting because obviously Tash last year, she came in and she was played out on the wing, which is, you know, a natural position, but this year he's Scott has been playing her in a central position and you know, she's top scorer. She scored five goals so far and if anyone's seen her play against Redden, it was like she turned as a superhuman for the evening. Um, she scored twice, um, played the pass that led to the third goal and then assisted the fourth goal. Um, it, was unbel- it was one of the best performances I've seen by, by an individual player in a Liverpool shirt. And then in this game, uh, Liverpool, again, they get themselves ahead. Uh, Birmingham hit the post, hit the woodwork two or three times. Uh, and again, this is where without having to make changes or anything like that, Liverpool are able to keep calm heads. We're talking about Bonnery, we're mm-hmm. talking about Chamberlain, that these are these are experienced players, at least who this time out were able to, 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 to help Liverpool keep that clean sheet. Yeah, and I think as well, if you look at the last two games before the Birmingham game, we've conceded two against Redden, still won the game we've conceded four against Arsenal and obviously got a point and then to keep a clean sheet in this game I think was really important and Siobhan Chamberlain makes a great stop from Ellie Brazil um, and I think she also stopped uh, Ellen White as well in the second half with the score at 1-0 and you know that's that's crucial save to be making as your goalkeeper and that's what you want it to see her doing um, again this time Stoney had to go off with about 15 minutes to play this time but instead of uh, we, we had Kate Longest been gone instead so yeah. she adds a bit more steel uh, to the midfield and from there, it's a longest who flicks on. Um, yeah. And Bonner, as I mentioned before, she she makes it 2-0, kills the game for Liverpool. It's late on, isn't it, when she kills it? It knows that Liverpool know at that point that they've done the business. Uh, but it's, again, Bonner leading by example, doing the mm-hmm. business for this side, doing the business for her teammates. But, it, you know, to go back to the point that I made when I started this thing, Liverpool now, now find themselves joint top yeah. of this spring series uh, with Manchester City actually ahead of them uh, on goal difference. Though I think City have got a game in hand at the mm-hmm. minute. It's, it's pretty... I, the funny aren't they? Because it's not a proper season; it's not the full season. But it'd be a nice, it'd be a nice trophy for Liverpool to win this, and it'd be you know a marker back to the way in which the the back to back titles and all this sort of mm-hmm. stuff. It's it'd be good for these group, this group of young players as well. And there's a real opportunity for them here now because they've played four away games. You know they've yeah. got they've got an opportunity, haven't they, to 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 make the home presence tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean they've played you know four away games in front of big crowds. They've played an FA Cup semi final, so these young players have now got this experience and. 
you know, if we win the spring series, it's ours for keeps, so it's, it's a one-off trophy, which will be a nice little uh, keepsake to have from it. So it's a big deal, isn't it, on Wednesday mm-hmm. night? I think uh, next Wednesday, uh, the seventeenth of May, at the Select uh, Security Stadium in Witness, the, the, the game against Sunderland Ladies. There's no, you know, there's uh, there's been a couple of games recently where it's annoyingly sort of clashed with the same time as the senior men kickoff. This one, it's not. It's a half past seven kickoff as well, not a seven o'clock. It's an opportunity for people to get down and watch some good football. Yeah, it is, and you know, Sunderland have been quite the opposite of us so far this season. They've played three games, um, but have only had one goal in those three games between each sides they they've they only won the last game i think it was against bristol at the weekend um so it'll be interesting to see you know their defense has been quite good and our attack has been very good so it'll be an interesting competition to watch um, and just to be really really clear on this one so it's on the 17th it kicks off at half past seven it's free to all lfc members and season ticket holders or alternatively tickets are available it's uh, for adults at six pounds it's reduced for for children as well there so just it's a really good opportunity to get down wednesday the 17th of may at the select security stadium uh 7 30 kickoff to watch liverpool ladies come up against sunderland ladies in a game which if they do win they'll begin to put manchester City under some pressure and it's worth also remembering Heather the last home game of the season of this series is up against Manchester City so it'd be yeah. lovely if everything was on the line come that one yeah definitely I mean, our next two games we've got um, we've got obviously Sunderland at home then we've got Bristol on the road which are two very winnable games and then we've got Chelsea away and City at home which I think it will come down to those last last two games and let's all hope the, it does yeah let's hope <laughs> it does make for an interesting game won't it but um, I think as well you know Man City have still got to play Arsenal and Chelsea Chelsea have still got to play Arsenal so you know, there's points to be taken there I think between the big three as well so if we can capitalise on any of them dropping points, you know, then I think we're in with a good shot at the title. Uh, excellent stuff, and also a very quick mention uh, to the honours that were given out at the uh, mm-hmm. at the awards uh, at the awards on uh, Tuesday night. Yeah, Sophie Ingle uh, won the Players' Player of the Season, very much deserved. She's um, she's she's a player that you don't really notice so much. You know, she's very calm. Um, she can drop back into like sort of a back three with Stoney and Bonner, and she's uh, she's such a presence in the midfield that um, she almost sort of slots in. Without you noticing her being there, she's a she's a fantastic player. Very much deserved. She won it at the um, the ladies' awards as well at the end of last season. So you know she's consistent. <laughs> she is indeed. She won it for Wales as well. It's fantastic to speak to Heather. We'll get her back in uh, over the next couple of weeks to talk about those games as they develop, both here on City Talk and also on the AnfieldApp.com. Uh, and also, she writes all of the match reports as well, uh, both for her blog page at Liverpool LFC Ladies, but also uh, they also come through for us at the AnfieldApp.com. And we're made up to have them uh, let you know exactly what's happening with the ladies and the very, very thorough, the proper old school style match reports where she tells you about things that actually happen in the game rather than my whimsy and pointlessness. Uh, anyway, this is the Anfield Rap on Radio City Talk. Don't go in after the break, we'll be having a long, big chat about West Ham United. Welcome back to the Anfield Wrap on Radio City Talk. Neil Atkinson and Sean Rogers having a chat about West Ham for this stage of the show. Uh, and Liverpool's journey to West Ham and Liverpool again, we've had this conversation quite recently, Sean. Liverpool will know uh, what Arsenal have done. They'll know what the, that, that they've got the result they've got against Southampton. They'll also know that Arsenal, what, how Arsenal got on against Stoke. They'll also know how Manchester City got on against Leicester. I think people are expecting Leicester at home to be a bit of a gimme for City, but that's actually, a, I think there's more in that game than people might uh, might expect, certainly given the way both sides play. It's a mix and match of styles. But we're here to talk about West Ham versus Liverpool. and It's... I'm not expecting anything particularly different from the Liverpool manager. I don't know if you are. Um, I think that West Ham are a very difficult side to predict, to anticipate the performance that they give. And this is at the best of times. At this stage of a season, Sean, it gets even harder again. We don't know if they'll be wearing flip-flops. We don't know if they'll want to put one last show on for the home crowd. Indeed. I'm quite relaxed about the whole Arsenal thing. You know, I'm not too fussed about what they do. To be honest, and, and and people seem to think that it's a foregone conclusion that they just roll up at Stoke on Saturday and win, and, and we know ourselves three big games in the space of six days aren't easy, and 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 from nowhere with confidence low to sort of put a run together um, at this stage of the season. Oh, Arsenal tend to most seasons, don't they? At this stage, but I'm quite I'm quite relaxed about that. I think that the Liverpool squad, um, and, and my experience of players is that going into the Southampton game. The vast majority of them will not have been saying, oh, let's look at what Arsenal do against United and having any fear. My experience of good players is that they, you know, we want the Liverpool players, and I think they are, they're confident if they play Arsenal, Man United, Man City away. Mm. So they're not they're not going, we can't beat Southampton, we can't beat West Ham, we can't beat Middlesbrough. That That isn't a problem. And, and there is a bit of league table pressure and, and scoreboard pressure. But these players have had that at Liverpool, they've had that at other clubs, they've had that growing up. Yeah. And it's like anything, if you're 
it sounds mad, but if you're under 18s manager of some amateur league or you're a player at under 16s, it's like the biggest thing in the world, isn't it? Yeah, There's probably yeah. lads who might be listening to this going, I play six aside on Thursday and we can win and win the league and it's a big deal. And Yeah, yeah. So like they've had this all their life on a proper serious level. Because the way in which you feel personal pressure, no matter whether whether it is about to be the final of the FA Cup or whether or not it's playing, you know, whether or not it's playing the final of your under-16s Cup, yeah. it's 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 still pressure. And it's purely it's, subjective, yeah, yeah. clearly. It's, it's completely down to you. But these players have been there seeing that done that even the ones who are at a relatively uh, younger age so for the Liverpool team they will look, look don't get me wrong I'm sure they'd have preferred that if, if Arsenal get drilled 5-0 last night because it just takes a bit of pressure off and you can have a smile and go isn't that great makes our life a bit easier but if we go and get nil point in the next two games it's an irrelevance and they all know that yeah. so my view is that is that I think the clock will have thought do you know what Southampton and home is tricky Lana and Sturridge get a bit more time. I've got a few bumps and lumps and bruises to heal. Um, we've discussed on the other shows, I think Klopp's actually more relaxed than any of us about a point against Southampton, rightly or wrongly. We're not going to West Ham on a Monday night under the lights. They haven't got the hatred of it being a North London derby. They haven't got the problems of needing the points on the board to make sure they're safe or stopping a rival from a title challenge. Um, you know, it's a hard one for West Ham to get properly up for and angry on in the terraces and everything else. It's a game that they'll be looking forward to. There's no pressure. And for me, the, the game is whatever Liverpool want to make the game. And, and I think you, you're going to see, and I'm sure you'll discuss this on all your preview shows, but the only difference I can really see being made is I think that he'll try and get Lallana into the front three. And I think he'll try and get Firmino back central. Away from home, that's... That, you know. I, I, I'm intrigued by that. Origi's been running the line for him centrally, and whilst it's been fruitless in terms of goals, he's been occupying men. But away from home this season, I think we have seen Firmino do some very, very good work. I think it's Firmino who throws in that terrific performance against West Brom, for instance. And I, I agree with you in that I think he'll be thinking, how do I get, how do I very much get my best players comfortable? Well, this is how I get Firmino and Coutinho comfortable, put them back where they're used to playing, give them Lallana, who they love playing with, and simultaneously he may well think to himself, and this gives me the option of just keeping it solid as well if I've got that midfield three. However much they might frustrate us with how slowly they move the ball at times, he might be thinking, well, they'll they'll help me keep this solid, and then we just go from there as a base. Yeah, I mean, if you imagine anyone around the training ground this week, they're not preparing for this game, saying, look, we're going to be open, expansive, we're going to, you know, we're going to play like the Galacticos and win five nil. You know, they're going into this game saying, look, we've got to deal with the long ball, we've got to deal with the set pieces, we can't let them in the final third to deliver crosses and bombs. Uh, and we've got to be really rock solid at the back and competitive in midfield and we've got to win the battle a little bit before we win the war and I think that the template you've kind of seen at, at Stoke, West Brom, Watford why would you change that? We've had fantastic results and and decent gritty Benitez, Julia-esque type away performances in, in, in them games so why would you not want that to continue? I think he's also going to want Sturridge and Origi on the bench because it's just it's just nice to have that that joker up your sleeve. It's nice to know that you've got that last big twenty. You can go. You've got so many options there. You can go to two up front. You can go. You can do anything that you want to do with those two on the bench for you. And and I think to be fair, a bit like what we've said earlier in the season, we lost away at um, at Hull and Leicester, and then had really big games the following week at home where we needed to get uh, get up for them and deliver a performance. And Klopp proved and the players that they were very good at saying okay well that was last week we can actually gain confidence and not let that affect us ahead of this week he can say look this is no different to West Brom away Watford away Stoke away there's no need to have we need to have a respect and and, and to be focused but there's absolutely no need to have any fear you can argue that the majority of them teams are better than West Ham anyway Mm. and I think he's going to say look at the cavalry that's coming back now we're getting a little bit fitter we've got players without a few bumps and bruises we're good to go, and um, um, you win that game. We are then heavily, heavily odds on to achieve uh, their current aim of getting into the Champions League. And uh, we'd all bite our hands off for that at the start of the season. I'm sure we'd be telling the players at least. So, I, I compared to what the supporters are like on social media, I actually think the buzz at Anfield and, and Melwood and the Liverpool squad can be very, very different. Well, on that, then you know, is that it? it is it almost 
this this is a cup final, lads. Enjoy the, oh, 100%. the big stadium. Enjoy the big stadium. This is one to go and win. At, at the big stadium, enjoy playing in front of all these people. Enjoy the fact that it's the first time you've played here. Almost make that the buzz, make that the positive buzz. You know, West Ham, and then that should, could make a difference in terms of the fact that, as you said before, it's a funny fixture for West Ham. It's difficult for them. They've still got a fair few injuries, and I think that the lads that they've got coming back, you know, they're, they're a long way off 100%. And I think they've got a couple who are playing who might be a little bit off 100%, who they're just having to put through at the minute and, and force them through so yeah, like you can't say you want to be a judge and then moan that you've got difficult decisions to make and you don't like sending people to prison you can't say you want to be a boxer and then moan about being it you can't say that you want to be a player that wins trophies and plays in the Champions League but then doesn't want pressure at the end of the season and doesn't want big games yeah. and, and doesn't want there to be issues I'm certain he'll be saying get used to this We're, you know like last season every year I'm here as manager we are going to have things riding on it and we've got to see that as, a, as an opportunity and as long as everything is in our hands what more can you ask for you know we're, fav- we're favourites to beat the vast majority of teams in this league home and away we're the ones in control of our own destiny this is what we want to do what's the point of absorbing yourself with, with stress and disappointment and anger and frustration and everything and fear for two, three months towards the end of each season in the whole t- period you're a footballer at Liverpool? And I think with this manager, that's very much the message that he delivers is that you've got to enjoy these opportunities. How many footballers around the world would swap places with you right here, right now and want this game to look forward to this weekend? And, you know, a lot of managers do this at all levels, but imagine that coach, that flight home, Imagine how good it would be we get a result to celebrate with the away end. Yeah, we crank the pressure up that little bit more. We're nearly we're nearly there. Um and just because Arsenal win doesn't mean we lose. And if Arsenal drop points that weekend and people are buoyant, that doesn't mean we get a result. So the focus will totally be on West Ham and what we do. Well, do you think it, it, there'll be anything in his mind about one or two slightly unlikely changes? I mean it, I think he's watching both full-backs find it a little tricky at the moment. Uh, I, th- I think that's partially due to themselves, partially due to the ball getting to them quickly enough and in the right areas at the right time and having the right options around them. I th- I, you know, Lucas uh, does slow it down. Do you think there'll be anything in his... I agree with you I, in what the team will be, but I, I wonder if there'll be something in his mind where he's thinking, you know, what is the? Is there a bit of, a, a bit of something in this to, to be a bit more I, dynamic in the game? I think because of if there is one thing that Arsenal's results do, I think that Liverpool this week will be preparing for a potential Plan B situation, and that's where you might see some changes in terms of the approach. In that, um, I, I if Liverpool certainly if Liverpool are losing, but if Liverpool are drawing with twenty thirty to go, um, I don't think we can adopt the approach that Klopp's adopted over the last four or five weeks, where he's gone. I'm happy to dog it, and it's not the end of the world if I get a point. I think if Arsenal go and win on Saturday, although I don't think it'll affect the players, I do think the manager at 60 minutes is under more pressure than he's possibly ever been at in any game for us to change it and change it early. So I do think that if we need a goal, based on what we've seen over the last since Mane's injury, really. I do think that if I don't think you'll see any changes tactically or personnel based other than maybe Lalana with Firmino Central. I think he'll look to dog it and get the first goal in the game, keep it tight and break. If we get to sixty minutes and and we're not purring and and we need a result, I wouldn't be surprised if you see early subs. I wouldn't be surprised if you see him throw the kitchen sink at it. I wouldn't be surprised to see Origi and Sturridge come on together and, and, him, and him do something where it, it, if it just changes the shape, goes to a diamond, something like that, and goes, right, these two are just going to pin, pin centre-backs Yeah, down. and although we haven't seen it, and I've thought we might, I wouldn't be overly surprised if you, in that situation if you see Moreno early as well. Um, Moreno's come off the bench and caused a, bit, a little bit of mayhem higher up the pitch. He's just, although it's been sort of 85 minutes on, he has just started to start doing that. Um, and when you look at Milner and Klein, you know, I think Klein's had a bit of a dip for a while, to be honest. When you look at Milner suffering a bit of a dip, taking the penalty aside, and I, I think there's a lot of mitigating circumstances tactically and in terms of personnel and the players in front. I don't think that's necessarily James Milner's fault. Um, but I do think last half hour, if we're not winning, I think that's when you'll see major changes from the manager, both tactically and, and through personnel. Um, I'm gonna. I don't very very rarely do this. I'm gonna ask you for a prediction. It's a big game. I think I think Liverpool dog out a result. I I, I don't rate West Ham. I think that it'll touch wood. It'll be nice weather in in London. They'll be rolling up to the ground under no pressure. There's no obvious reason for them to want to get a result against us. I don't think they're good enough. We'd have to be very bad for them to outplay this Liverpool team. 
So that's dangerous for West Ham if, they, if that's what if that's what they do. I think the odds of Liverpool winning increase dramatically. I think if West Ham take the view that they want to dog it, I can see it being a tight game. Um, and as long as we're average at taking our chances, I, I think we I think we get a narrow victory. Okay, uh, thank you very much, Sean Rogers. Let's get back to everybody else. Welcome back to the Anfield app on Radio City Talk. Uh, I want to give a shout out to something which uh, I know someone is involved with, a sportsman's dinner for the Brain Charity uh, on the 20th, Saturday the 20th of May. Uh, Liverpool Cricket Club, Egbert Road at 7pm. Uh, Alan Kennedy speaking at it. It's uh, for the Brain Charity, which is a charity I know someone, a few people who work with. So if you can get yourself down to that, tickets are about £30. Uh, if you contact Steffi on 0151 2982 tell you what it's little right in this or <laughs> steffi at thebraincharity.org.uk let's just do the email address I can't actually read that uh, 2982 it looks like but let's just do steffi at thebraincharity.org uh, can I make it bigger I can uh, 0151298299 0151298299 we got there eventually uh, Alan Kennedy to Sportsman's Dinner for the Brain Charity Saturday the 20th of May at Liverpool Cricket Club on Egbeth Road right uh, breaking news go on Paul Merson's back to Arsenal to take the initiative in the top four race. Boys, we're all right. It's huge. Absolutely huge. Uh, all that sort of stuff. Uh, Craig Hannon as well, uh, who works for the Anfield Rap, wants me to bang on rightly that there will be a draw for uh, a signed new new Liverpool jersey uh, signed by Philip Coutinho if you subscribe to the Anfield Rap. Uh, you need to sus- have subscribed by midday next Friday. Uh, there's no minimum term, obviously. It's £5 a month and you can cancel whenever you want. Theanfieldrap.com forward slash Coutinho. He has signed a new replica a jersey uh, these things are auctioning already for a, for a fair amount of money uh, the anfieldrap.com forward slash subscribe or the anfieldrap.com forward slash Coutinho to do that to enter everyone who subscribes Good Lord, I'm struggling here. Everyone who subscribes will uh, be entered into the draw and then we go from there. So the sh- feel free to lump in on that one. Uh, but you need to be paying us £5 a month and hopefully enjoying all the fabulous content of us talking aloud about football on a regular basis. And look at all aspects of the club. And Simon, we were talking before, uh, right, that's some time ago now, as people listen to this in a linear manner. Um, <laughs> we were talking about that the the mood won't be fabulous. That mm. a few people might have to have a look at themselves. I still maintain that, you know, as I say, I think that... It's, the two seasons that would have gone really rather differently if Spurs had won the League Cup game at Anfield. I actually think that Spurs would have found the found the January almost as difficult, if not yeah. as difficult as we did. But you've still got to prepare for that. You're going to enter competitions. You've got to be a, 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 along with the reality that you're going to be in them. And mm. Liverpool, they didn't look 100% sort of focused for January. And that's the, one of the things that needs to get fixed this summer, hopefully with Champions League football. Well, it, I think it's twofold because it's how the club reacts from the inside at success and failure and ultimately how the fans react to success and failure so you know if Liverpool were to qualify for the Champions League I think you know it is a you know it's a it's a, it's a good achievement this season um, it's it's what I expected Liverpool to achieve at the start of the season even being honest you know in terms of the schedule that they, they had you know the manager that they've got the team and you know to a less well certainly not the squad but you know I, I felt it was definitely an achievable uh, target to get in the Champions League um, Did you think the, we could take it for granted though side? No, no, no not, not taking it for granted I just think if, if they were to finish third or fourth it, it's roughly where I would have expected Liverpool to finish not that, that doesn't mean taking it for granted I just think that you know that that was definitely an achievable target at the start of the season because I don't think you know that money does count for everything and I think that there's certain you know, uh, circumstances that contributed towards this feeling that Liverpool could get there this season. Um, and if Liverpool, you know, were to, to kind of get over the line just about at the moment, I know all the supporters kind of don't feel too great about it, but that, you know, simultaneously could be a good thing for next season because you know, the, I don't think the expectations would be sky high as they are, you know, Liverpool, as they have been before, should I say, because in the past, Liverpool have tended to kind of finish second and everybody's like, right, next season's yeah. a big one. Whereas, you know, if you finish third or fourth, it's a bit like, well, okay, you know, it's steady, steady progress. On the flip side of that, you've got, you know, the owners and how the club react to this, because if they do qualify for the Champions League, I don't think that me- means that everything's hunky-dory. It means that, you know, there's still a lot of work to be done and there needs to be, a, you know, huge amounts of investment to get Liverpool in a position where they can compete on, you know, well, certainly two fronts, if not three fronts, if not four fronts, um, you know, next season, because in the past, in 2014, when they, they, they finished second, you know, they obviously signed a lot of players and they're going to have to sign a similar amount of players to get the squad uh, at the level that it needs to be to be able to 
to at least have a go at, at, at three of those four fronts where you know you know not achieving on one of them doesn't undermine the whole season because it tends to crumble from there you know if Liverpool make a bad start in the Champions League the feeling around the club will be bad you know that'll affect the league form etc etc so I just think there's a huge amount of work for Liverpool to do in the summer uh, regardless of what happens really do you think there was a massive dereliction of duty in January? And I know it's easy saying this now, but it's not like Mane got it. When we lost Mane, when we lost momentum, it wasn't like he was out injured. They they, they knew that he was. They knew he wasn't going to be there in in the January. And then you flip, and also the way the season's gone, you flip the season on its head, and we have the first, the last three months, and the first three months, and you flip them over. Everyone's feeling a lot better, even if we don't quite qualify. Because our form's been great and we've been looking better. Mm. Whereas we've just slowly been... The, 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 the performances have been slowly depreciating over the course of the season. It seems... I don't think we've won since the turn of the year. What we, I don't think we've won well the way we were winning in that period at the start of the year. And I think the, 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 the club could have been a lot more proactive in correcting that. I think one... If Liverpool limp over the line, obviously we'll be pleased to be back in the Champions League, but I think a purpose will have been served in the fact that it's been a struggle to get there. Notwithstanding that we'd have taken Champions League as a decent season at the beginning, given where we got to, it's felt like a fall away. Nothing's going to change that feeling, I think, come the summer. If we get Champions League, uh, although we may celebrate it on the day that it happens, it'll be relief. That'll be the main emotion rather than a sense of great achievement. But, but I think what, one important thing has happened is, because of this process is nine months ago, our, our own narrative and the club's narrative around the Jurgen Klopp project was that Jurgen is a special guy who can turn water into wine and a negative net spend is no bad thing when you've got that kind of special manager. Now I feel the conversation has moved to a point where you go, even Jurgen in this competitive league is going to need money to help him. And I'm glad for as a supporter to see the club being pushed in that way. And I think there's an acceptance and a realisation that even with this very charismatic uh, water into wine uh, sort of mythical uh, guy who we brought in, he, we know he can't win an unfair game without dough. Okay, on a, on a, on a positive minor scale, how much can, difference can a manager make? Because I've asked someone in football who's actually run a football club and he said if you're getting 10% either way, you're doing, you're doing well. So it's a twenty percent swing from zero. So how I, much? I, can, how much? Can, how much difference can I make? I think that's. You know what? Why, let, why not? Except that there are case studies where you've, we've seen managers do crazy things. Well, Leicester Ranieri last season, Brian Clough back in my youth, there, uh, Mourinho at Porto. There are there are um, Shankly at Liverpool. There are cases where a manager gets far bigger swing than than, than, than the money. But I think if you average over a period, I think your your estimation there around that a good manager versus a medium manager can give you a 10% swing. Why not? I, it's, I, I, mean, it's, it's worth, I mean, it's worth pointing out that right now Liverpool have as many points as Arsenal had last season when they finished second. They've got more points than Spurs had last mm. season and who then have a very bad transfer window, by the way, in the summer and don't do anything last January either. Uh, mm. Liverpool have got, have got as many points as more points than Spurs got last season so it isn't as though it is impossible to move forward from this sort of point but I think the idea is more to go back to what Sai's saying and what's on the line when we, when we in the, these next two games it's more being able to do so where there's no excuses for anyone including the manager especially the manager that he's now had one full season in this country as well as sort of a, a six month mm-hmm. uh, six and a half month practice run he's he's able to know exactly what, what he comes up against when he goes away to Burnley when he goes away to Watford when he goes away to Crystal Palace he knows mm-hmm. what the job is in these games and he also knows, you know, with his own experience of European football about the wear and tear of all of this. So I, if Liverpool can come into the top four, then it means that everyone next season, that's not to say that if Liverpool don't win the league, everyone's got to be looking at themselves. I'm not saying that at all, side, but it's more to say Liverpool have got to look as though they were sufficiently and adequately prepared mm. for this again next season. There's no excuses on that front. Well, that's, it's, it's, it is preparation. It's such on what Andy said there that the... I just do see January as a massive missed, missed opportunity there for Liverpool. And... You know, Klopp talks a lot about like the, the reaction of the fans and their importance, and to to a large extent, football is it. You know, a bit of a PR war. You know, like if if Liverpool had gone into January with, you know, an extra player that makes people bounce into the stadium feeling better about the team rather than thinking oh god Casino's not fit but it's a ground manager sign he's talked all the way through he's not solving his problems in the transfer market well he, he has I, said I will that. quote you back to he, him he has, back to you. He, he has said that but he's also recognised the importance of the fans so you know the fans you can uh, you can talk about all the great work that's done on the training grounds all the great young players that are coming through 
But, you know, th- there are moments in time where, you know, there's a narrow window and an opportunity to, to just kick on a little bit. And I feel like that they've missed up, missed a bit of an opportunity there. And they've got to, if, if, if he's talking a lot about the fans and their role, they've got to pay that respect to the fans in terms of, you know... It's a two-way street. It, it is. And, and, and I think that, you know, f- whether we like it or not, we've got to admit as well that football fans everywhere, and including Anfields, have changed. You know, they do want to see one or two, you know, a bits of ambition sometimes, of ambitious yeah. signing that just makes you think, you know what, we're going to do it this season. So, so, you know, Liverpool, I think we've got to respect that 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 a little bit more, you know, because I think it went from a very positive situation at the end of November to a hugely negative situation after they'd just beaten Manchester City. People were talking, Liverpool were you know, top, top of the league after beating Man City. No, they were, they were, they were, they were, but really? they were, they were, they were they five in, or six at Chelsea. Yeah. But then there's the game a couple of days later at Sunderland where the, the, the referee doesn't help matters and Liverpool yeah, come is, with, the two, with, the, with the two all and it goes from there. Yeah. I want to pull you back towards West Ham. Uh, because because of time limitations as much as anything else, it looks like Firmino and Lucas are massive doubts mm. to go with the fact that Lallana's returning, Rob um, Sturridge is returning, Henderson's still out. It's I'm intrigued to see what he does. I'm I'm, I'm wondering whether or not we might see an unlikely uh, game where Liverpool play two up front. If he can't get both Lucas, just and about F- to say exactly yeah, if he can't get both Lucas and Firmino on the pitch, he might decide that he's going to put Sturridge and Origi and let Coutinho wander in behind and play a bit of either a diamond or a four three one two with Coutinho in a free role. Exactly that. I've, uh, I've done a preview for AnfieldRap.com where I'm going. I'm, a crystal, I'm crystal balling. This, yeah, that, that those people. Um, yeah, I, I I have a suspicion. I'm not. Well, firstly, Lucas isn't. If he doesn't make it, it's not the end of the world because I think with Lalana fit, uh, Chan would have started at the base in the midfield regardless. I do think that would have do happened. You? Yeah, I do. Um, be- because who? Because. In the simplest, let's forget Firmino. Assume Firmino was fit, the front three would have been Firmino, Coutinho, and one of Sturridge or Origi. And then, don't you think you might have put Lallana right, played Firmino through the middle, and played Coutinho left? In a fr- put Lallana in the front three. Yeah, There's, you could see him being cautious, but Lallana in the front three hasn't been hasn't been a success in recent times. So I think he'd have been tempted to go with something close to his most, uh, what's the word, um, workable midfield, which is the three which has had Wijnaldum and Lalana ahead of a pivot, which has been Henderson for most of the season. But without him, it's Lucas or Chan. And therefore, if, if Chan's available, uh, he gets the nod over Lucas, I think, at this stage. So I expect that to be the sh- well. I expect that to be the, the shape, of, that triangle to be the shape of that part of the midfield. I think I do think it'll be a diamond. I think Coutinho will be ahead of those three, and I think he will gamble on uh, Regian Sturridge. And I also think he will gamble on Firmino's fitness on the bench from the noises coming out because it sounds a bit fifty-fifty. And Firmino's a hell of a sub, as we saw at Stoke. Yeah, you agree with that? Yeah, pretty much. Um, I think it, it might be uh, one last. Swan song maybe for for the arms as well. Um, I think it'd be a big game for him, and I think yeah, it might give him his head as well. Because uh, the way they set up, if they do play with the two um, on a technical level, it just gives it, it just it's just that little bit more suited. Where Sturridge has struggled this year is when we when we've been sat deep and tried to play on the counter. Because look, let's be honest, he tell you himself, he's not the man who's going to break from the halfway line and, and run away from run away from everyone and score a goal. But if you're playing two up top and he's got someone within 15 yards of him to play off and and I will still and I still believe this games like that when the ball in box and he proved that the other day when he come on yep. he's the best player in our squad at that I agree with you I think it's I I, I think that if, if he can't go with Firmino uh, so it really wouldn't surprise me to see him go with both Origi and Sturridge I think it might be his pathway to get the best mm. out of both of them I think uh, you know Sturridge if you look at his, his time at Liverpool he has played better when he's been accompanied by somebody else up front, just because it gives him that little bit more space to operate. It gives you know the other defenders somebody else to think about, which means he doesn't get kicked quite as much and he doesn't get injured quite as much. I mean, I think there is probably a correlation between you know when Suarez was there, you know, so everybody was booting Suarez all over the place, which which gave him a little bit more protection, you know, throughout the course of the season. I mean, I, I'm not being totally scientific when I say that, but you know, I think there is there is it's, it's not it, a coincidence. So it, it's combinations as well, though. You you look at. I, like just getting the ball into his feet and around the box he's not going to hold it up he's not going to hold three defenders off but it's quick release you can get the ball and then shift it in the same motion and mm-hmm. have options around him and have options around him you he needs players around yeah, exactly. he needs players close Absolutely. to him when, he, when he's up front by himself 
you know, the, it, it can be a bit isolated, I suppose. I okay. think, I think, sorry, sorry, cutting. I think Klopp's pronouncements in the press conference today, I mean, people go, he's hinting at Sturridge starting. I think he's more than hinting. I think he's trying to give Sturridge extra confidence here. I, he, sometimes he's throwing sugar at a lad in a press conference he's definitely not going to pick, and, the, and, he, and he's throwing the, the opposition a, a curveball. But I, I, I think he's, he wants Sturridge to start. He wants mm. Sturridge to have a swan song game. Uh, prediction, say. Oof. I think Liverpool win, but I think it'll be. It'll be I think it could be a bit like Stoke two one. Two one, Rob. I think much depends on what happens against uh, with Arsenal Stoke the night before because that's a pivotal game in Liverpool's immediate history. But <laughs> assuming Arsenal win and it becomes this cup final for Liverpool, I think Liverpool will just rise to it and win two one. Uh, Andy, massively fearful of Adrian in goal. He's capable of having a great game. He's he's what typically against us, but he's he's also capable of throwing a soft one in. Score prediction, I'm with Simon, 2-1. Uh, everyone said 2-1. This is the Anfield Wrap this week. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. You can get that Coutinho thing, theanfieldwrap.com forward slash Coutinho. Um, Shankly, pressure's working down the pit. Pressure's having work, no work at all. Pressure's trying to escape relegation on 50 shillings a week. Pressure's not the European Cup or the Championship or the Cup Final. That's the reward. Sports Social Podcast Network.